At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The good guys dressed in black. Women both actors in case we're face-to-face in my contact. Now please look into this little light because you're not going to remember a thing. So the Mueller Report's out. The what? Oh, is it? The Mueller Report. You want to talk about that on the show instead of... uh... No. (laughs) We did a politics episode once. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. Before he who shall not be named was elected. Voldemort? (laughs) (laughs) We are not getting into politics today. Okay, fair. I'm sorry. No, fair enough. I think everyone can assume... My stance on the current state of things, but I still don't want to put my voice to it. Well, you know, it's weird. I was telling somebody the uh, just yesterday, actually, and I may have said this publicly before, too. I, I have opinions. I have thoughts, beliefs, strong ones. But public discourse on this is so dangerous. It's like, why step out into the crossfire? When you're not Wonder Woman, you know what I mean? Like, I get that sense of like her in No Man's Land in the war where she's like just dodging bullets and, you know, having a good time, having a good time. That's not me. I die. <laughs> the bullets kill me. <laughs> so like, I just I don't need to put it out there. It's so it, there's certain topics and politics, especially right now, is one of them mm-hmm. where if you say one thing, if you put a vo- if you put anything to it. Right. If, right. If you physically say what you're thinking, all of a sudden everybody can hate on you whether right. they agree with you or don't it's and just, pile other things on you yeah. because you said this i know it for sure this. you believe this this and uh-huh. this and this and they're not willing to sit down and have a conversation with you about it because right. we live in a culture of instant gratification and instant you know division uh, division yeah. instant division divisionification which is why we're not talking about it <laughs> it's just too much would you rather shoe a dough Let's chew a dough in a different way today. All right, yeah. Let's do that. Uh, we're going to do a No Longer Safe episode today. Not on politics. Not on politics, although that would certainly qualify. For that real. That is the definition of No Longer Safe, uh, which is an episode that kind of delves into a trickier topic, something that we may need a little more time uh, than five minutes to kind of mull over in our brains and talk about. Um, if there is a topic that you want to, that's really dear to your heart or whatever, let us know. We have people on to interview them about these kind of topics all the time as well. Not um, politics. For instance, the first one we did was homosexuality, I think, right? Was it? I think that was, was that the, the very first. I think that was the, or was it, was it uh, atheism? It was one of those two. I think it was atheism with my friend Ida, and mm-hmm. then we talked to my friend Brian. I think you're right. No, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we but, talk- but the homosexuality one was what triggered us almost getting fired from Christian radio. <laughs> Again, yes. these aren't easy conversations to have. <laughs> no. People have lots of opinions. Uh, no, they're not, but we want to have them, and we want to have them in a safe, spl- uh, a safe place. Um, but here's the thing. E- even politics. Like even like even those crazy things that we think we can't talk about, we have to have a place to talk about them. And I, that's the other thing I was talking about with this friend was I'm glad we have this space together to not mm-hmm. be judged, you yeah. know, to have these conversations and not be judged. And that's what Aaron and I try to do 
in these kinds of episodes is walk through our own version of that safe space since we together have created a safe space to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we're going to land at the end with a solution and a happy bow. It doesn't mean at the end, especially like with the case of talking to my atheist friend Ida or my gay friend Brian, at the end, it's not like a come to Jesus. Okay, here's the altar. Confess your sins. <laughs> here's the prayer. You it's need to pray. literally just a real life conversation yeah. as we can have it. Find and a common ground. Hopefully it's a way for you to listen in and maybe have uh, your own experiences and we would love to hear them, whether they're positive, negative, or just a comment. You could always write to us. Our email is feedback. At shoethedough.com. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> You're welcome. I was like, which one is it? <laughs> but we do. We, we would love to hear from you. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, body image, which mm-hmm. is really interesting because I have lots of opinions about body image, especially yeah. since my body went through what will be called the great stretch, the great morph, and it messed with my mind in ways I would have never imagined. So I'm really excited to kind of yeah. get into I, that. I, and space. I'm going through an, another weight loss journey. You know, I've had an up and down weight loss journey that I think uh, is worth throwing into that conversation because I think a lot of body image does have to do with body shape, body weight, all those kind of things. Um, but we like to do some story time, just kind of, you know, see what's going on. Oh, no, 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 that's Tuesday. Oh, right, that's, right, right. That's, that's Peru's day <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, so I'll start with story time Okay. Uh, on this episode. Uh, I went to court yesterday. Whoa. Now, I'm not going to get all the details of it um, just because I went with a friend and it wasn't, you know, like it's their kind of thing, oh, right? Oh, it's their story? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, oh, okay. I, 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 if it was me. I would, you know, share publicly, but yeah, I it, didn't know you were going to court. <laughs> yeah. What'd you do, man? So it was, it was pretty much just kind of thing where you're summoned and you can talk to the prosecutor if you want, maybe in her plea, or you can go before the judge and say, here's the deal. And he'll give a fine and, or, you know, maybe you've got a fine, but you haven't paid it. So you've been summoned again. And he's like, why aren't you paying this? But it was really fascinating to me to watch this judge do his thing with case after case after case after case. And it's so different than law and order, right? Because in law and order, you're dealing with a trial situation Mm -hmm. and you've got lawyers and and you can do that in municipal court, but it takes a much bigger offense to have to hire a lawyer. And and you're always allowed to hire a lawyer. It's not like somebody couldn't go to municipal court and hire a lawyer. It's just there's not really a point to it. It's not cost effective. But I was so impressed with this judge. I like there is something I think worthwhile in seeing the humanity it takes to deal with person after person after different kind of person after different kind of person and continue to show empathy and continue to show love and continue to show, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, sternness when it's necessary to say, you know, look, I've given you, here's the law, here's the law. And I've given you two months to pay this fine. And if it doesn't happen by this date, it gets a lot worse for you. And here's what happens if that, you know, like the, just the, can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. In another timeline, would you be a judge? I definitely was attracted to that idea. I think you'd be a really good and fair judge. I think I might. I would like to think I would. You have the brilliant mind for it. I think if you had applied your mind into law and Mm -hmm. you did the, you like went the judge route, let's just say, Mm -hmm. I think you'd be great because you have such a great memory. You have such a great way of talking to people. I can see you being a good person that, you know, if you went before Judge Dicer, (laughs) you would, you would feel like, okay, he's going to understand my circumstances. Yeah. That's how I felt with this guy for sure. I, I was, I was very impressed with, I think empathy is the key thing I came away with and just thinking a lot of times we think because of pop culture that our court system is very dramatic and stern and 
hear ye, hear ye. And, and it's so much more human than that, especially on a municipal level, you know, on a city level. Um, and I don't know, I was really impressed with it. And then at the same time, the, the sign in front of me said, please don't use your cell phone in our court tomb. Because they, oh. they forgot the R <laughs> in, the, oh, in their no. posted sign. At Kortum. <laughs> it's like, At Kortum. Okay. Yeah, I live in a small town. Maybe that gets caught <laughs> elsewhere. You know, you're talking about that. It reminds me of the guy, and I just looked him up uh, while you're talking. His name is Judge Frank Caprio. Mm-hmm. Have you seen his videos circulating no. anywhere? He's great. He is an example of what you're talking about where mm-hmm. he, but they video him in the courtroom. And so he has kind of an opportunity to showcase that more like empathetic understanding of your circumstances side. I just recently watched, I think I've watched like three or four of his videos, but one of them that I recently watched was a uh, mother with three children, all she had to bring all of the kids into the courtroom with her. And the, and she had a series of tickets, parking tickets mm-hmm, yeah. for a car that isn't hers. It's her ex's who just keeps breaking the law, but it's her responsibility. Mm-hmm. And he was able to deduce by talking to her. That was the situation. And, um, you know, forgive what need to be, what need to be forgiven. Yeah. And, and then he kind of had a little interview afterwards, just saying like, here's a situation where there's this person who has someone doing something to her outside of her control, but he's, he's the judge will let it will invite the kids up to like help sentence the parent mm-hmm. sort of in a joking, like yeah. lighthearted manner. So, but it's always so serious to be sitting inside of a courtroom. Well, and here's the other thing I need to recognize. I think it's very important for me to recognize this. This is one courtroom mm-hmm. in white America. And there is a racial element to our penalty system that is worth a longer conversation. In another how, no label safe. Another no longer safe. Yeah. Um, because uh, I think the word privilege works into this in a lot of ways. And yeah. I think that is fair. I think that is that is correct. So it's but it's it's fascinating because our system is this is the other thing I, I saw. Our system is built on grace, which is really interesting to me because you don't think of it that way. But the whole uh, innocent until proven guilty thing that's built on grace. The whole idea of but whether or not it's executed by the people correct. who are interpreting the law is a different. Correct. Yeah. But the system really is built on the idea of, OK, I'm going to give you another shot here. Mm-hmm. OK, I'm going to give you till this date. Okay, and you haven't paid this, but let's go another month. Like it, I just watch time after time after time of like, oh, that's grace. Oh, that's great. Like the whole system is built on this idea that we're gonna give you a chance to do this right. And I love that you're seeing it that way. I'll I'll say my story time was a recent. I went to uh, had been called in for jury duty, mm-hmm. so I had my first full on jury duty. Right, whether, and that is the trial thing. Whether or not I'm going to be selected, moment I was right. there for over ten hours. The check I got in the mail was for $10 and 16 cents. <laughs> I got paid just over a buck an hour to be there. Uh, there were like, I think 80 to 90 people that mm-hmm. had been called in. There was a delay in the case. So we sat for three hours while the court circuit people mm-hmm. tried to keep us entertained with trivia. I told a really inappropriate joke about my mother. Did I talk about this on the show? <laughs> yeah, I think you may have. So, it was a really interesting, um, a really interesting experience. But uh, up in the courtroom, you know, just the seriousness of sitting there with the judge and yeah. seeing the lawyers. And this was a criminal case, and so the person that was being um, was on trial was on trial for um, hurting a, a sexually molesting a child. Oof. And so it was triggering all kinds of emotions and all kinds of answers to the questions as the lawyers are trying to figure out who to pick. Mm-hmm. And, um, I followed up with that one. I actually went to go look to see, cause is, you know, here we are in this room and we 
kind of all been chatting. Like I didn't meet everybody in the room. Sure. But the people that were selected, I had spent all day with. And so as they're calling these jury numbers, I'm like, oh, that's the teacher. Oh, that's the so-and-so. Oh, that's the so-and-so, you know, and, and then, you're so great. I'd just be like, oh, not, it's not me. <laughs> I no, still oh. not me. I knew I wasn't I getting to be selected <laughs> because I specifically said I would have a hard time yeah. processing the case. I was, I, w- okay. The, the, one of the questions the lawyer had was this as a, are, are there any parents here? All the parents have to answer this question. Can you be fair in this moment sure. to the, the gentleman and to the, the, the child? Can you be fair as a parent? Yeah. And uh, there were lots of parents in the room, probably yeah. 60. And they are like, yes, I can be. Fair. I was the only one that was like, I don't think I can be fair. And I was like, listen, I, I said, I'm not usually emotional. This is the first time I'm experiencing emotions in my life, and I'm very confused about them. <laughs> not true, <laughs> but you are fairly robotic. I, mean, yes. I, I kind of said it like yeah. that, but basically, I was like, the emotions I'm feeling are very new to me, and I don't know that I can be partial. Impartial. Oh yeah, you weren't getting on that jury. <laughs> no, yeah. So I knew I was out. I knew I was out, but I had to still wait and hear the very end of the day. But anyways, I'm watching all these people go up, and and some of them are parents. Lots of them are parents, and. I'm just wondering what that was going to be like for them because then they have to look at the evidence. They have to see what this child potentially went through. And they did. They they found him guilty. Um, so then I know that what they saw was enough for them to, mm-hmm. you know. So that that part of our system, too, is really interesting to me, not to focus on a really horrible story, but like that process of being tried by your peers and trying to find fairness amongst peers and sitting in there for 10 hours with these people as we went through the process refining and refining and refining and refining trying to find the right people Mm -hmm. it was a really laborious day but it was also it gave me kind of a really interesting sense of who there in in that particular courtroom on that particular day um like what their personalities were like and how they answered these questions and it was really inside how'd you feel about how'd you feel about the system that day how'd you feel about how the system works I mean, I thought it was really, I thought it was fine. Okay. Yeah. I, that's the, the but, sense but, I get. But, but I am a white female in white America. I know, I know, I know. So it, this is how I would say it, I think. I think that if where the system doesn't work, it doesn't have to do with the foundation of the system. I think it has to do with the interpretation and the human and the uh, corrupt players, the corrupt humanity of some of the players in yeah. the system. I, I really, I feel that way. I think the guy's you know, 200 years ago who set this up, thought through a lot of this stuff pretty well and wanted a place where the benefit of the doubt was going to go to the person who was accused of something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really smart. Yeah. Um, And you know what it means? It means guilty people get off is what it means. And that's okay. Some like that's, that's the price you pay for the correct system. You know what I mean? So. I know it's hard to it's hard to wrestle with that kind of stuff. Well, this but. is this in and of itself is a no label safe conversation. <laughs> and then we're about to unpack an either big and I, I feel like we should have had a lighter story time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we probably should like, have. Our lighter story time should have been what we had for breakfast today or something. Well, you know what we can we can cuz I've been calling it no longer safe. You've been calling it no label yeah, safe. Can we talk we, about that? Well, we should we should come to an agreement at least cuz originally it was no longer safe, like the idea that when we were doing our radio show, mm-hmm. we were very aware of keeping things safe for the whole family kind of idea. That was and, that was the mission of the radio right. station. And that's great. There's a place for that. Mm-hmm. But we also wanted a safe space to be no longer safe. 
Uh, like, in, hey, just so you know, these conversations are serious. Yeah. And we, we found out much later that people really didn't like that. Like that was part of the the thing that, you know, like you said, almost got us fired from Christian radio was the idea of. Oh, you can't talk about those things. Well, How dare it, you? Well, and it was more like you're making the radio part look bad because you can't, you're saying you can't do it, that, that kind of thing, I think. And so we changed it to no label safe so that that would make them a little more, you know, happier about it. They still hated it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, so that's <laughs> where that comes from. It. So what do you want to, what do you want to call it? I feel um, like I like the original better and I don't know. No label safe is kind of tainted to me because it, it wasn't, it's, you know, somebody else forced it on yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> No longer safe. The gloves are off. We're on our own. That's right. (laughs) We're burning all the bridges. There are no bridges. (laughs) We are on an island. (laughs) Uh, Before we head on to uh, the no longer safe portion of this episode, um, Shoe the Dough does not have its own member support. Uh, We get our member support through Studio DNA. Really, Shoe the Dough is kind of the launching podcast of the Studio DNA podcast network. If you would like to support what we do, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash studio DNA. I think it's just three bucks a month and you get all the bonus episodes and all the different podcasts on the network. So all maybe in one feed, maybe someday there'll be a shoe the dome member support kind of idea. But for now, if you love what we do enough to give to it, just go give to the studio DNA Patreon. When we, when we get up to more downloads per episode, we may do something maybe. And yeah. if we get some more reviews on iTunes, that'll be kind of a way for us to know that. Our audience, which has been here-ish since 2012, mm-hmm. it's a long time. Yeah. So thank you guys again for sticking with us and listening. Um, once we kind of get the, I don't know, the lights all turned on and everybody kind of gathered around, yeah, we might do a Patreon. Who knows? Yeah. Or, you know, that's another way you can support us is yeah. just to go give reviews at iTunes or it's free. give it five stars. Yeah, you don't have to pay for that. You just so. have to remember your Apple login for those of us who are Android users. <laughs> more than that, more than anything, just thanks for listening. Thanks yeah. for hanging out with us. We love having these conversations and hearing from you about what you think of these conversations. Let's talk about body image. Yeah. You want to kick us off? Miss Body has changed dramatically over the course of the last three years. The neck bones connected to the <laughs> clavicle. Well, here's what's interesting about you, That's and this will probably this will probably play into the conversation. I think a little bit. What's interesting about you is you know the body, like you have studied in an anatomy for your massage kinesiology. Yeah, for your mm-hmm. massage therapy and stuff. I loved it. So, how does that scientific awareness of how the body works play into the psychological issue? Of body image and what do I look like and why does that matter? Um, So that's an interesting question because I know that we have our structure, right? You've got your physical body and then you've got your emotional attachment to your physical body. And your emotional and psychological attachment to your physical body is influenced by who raised you and what they said about their bodies. And what they said about your body. Mm-hmm. And then also from a, like a cultural standpoint. So it depends on where you were raised. Mm-hmm. So I really can't speak to everybody. But I think in the U.S. and for women, we pretty much know that there is a quote unquote standard mm-hmm. way of looking. Whether I, I was just going to add not only where you were raised, but when you were raised. I right. mean, there are times in our history where plump was the thing, man. Yeah. Like, you know, pleasantly plump was the phrase. It was a renaissance period. Yeah. For <laughs> that sure. was a long time I've ago. seen the paintings. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Those are some bigger women. So can we talk about that real quick? The first time I went to a museum and I saw like how elevated and adored the plumper woman was, I uh-huh. was like, 
I've never seen a body like that because uh-huh. I was raised in the 80s, 90s where it was all like diet pills. Well, there for a second, I mean, it got real like models had to be skin and bone like yeah, it think, got really skinny yeah i think it's it's come back a little bit from that yeah, yeah we're definitely on that pendulum swing you know that the the pendulum swing is you know it's way on one way and then it goes way the other and it takes time to kind of even out and find that nice center do you think we're healthier do you think do you think we're progressing towards a more healthier awareness oh yeah of the you know because part of the problem is there are many of us who couldn't have that body no matter what we did. It's not even like a train, like it's a genetic thing. Like, you know, some of us have bigger hips. Some of us, you know, have different things. That is hearkening to your question to kind of launch this is we are all physically the same in some ways and Mm -hmm. different in others. And so if you do have an understanding of anatomy, I think that can help you as you personally go through your journey of understanding uh, your s- structure, like your physical structure. Yeah. And because we are in a progressive society and there are so many incredible scientists and doctors and leaders that talk about the physical aspect of it, not the emotional and spiritual and all that stuff, but right. just the phys- like little physical aspects of it um, and why you process food differently or why you are just structured differently. There's more of a conversation about, that who you are individually and your view of yourself and other people's view of you. Um, it, there's so many filters, but I think it's getting easier to kind of land on the truth, which is you're exactly what you're supposed to be. And mm-hmm. you're on your own individual journey. And I, and I'm just going to skip to the end of the show right now. <laughs> Don't comment on people's bodies at all. That that's, that Period. is actually the, that's the solution to almost every body image problem mm-hmm. is no one should comment on your body, your physical appearance. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's wonderful to hear someone say, you know, that you're beautiful, but then you also go, well, is it because Why? I'm wearing makeup today? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Why am I beautiful today? But and, you but didn't, didn't say, say it yesterday, yesterday yeah. whenever I was feeling like trash. Right. So I'm, I'm not, I am very, very careful on how I comment on people's bodies because that's something that has been strange for me. And now I have a two year old this Saturday and people are already commenting on her body. And I'm mm. like, really really and, oh yeah in what way oh my gosh well when she's she was, perfect when she was like when she was not even one year old she's a big girl she's chunky oh. things like that and now i understand that that's part of it is just yeah i mean she's got mitchell entire baby legs because she's really healthy mm-hmm. but why not say she's healthy yeah why say she's a big girl you know so there's just these ways that there's already commentary on her appearance and people say, aren't you such a pretty girl? And look at those beautiful blue eyes. And it's like, mm. what if we commented on uh, her, her demeanor instead, mm-hmm. you know? Well, one of the, one of the things I, I try to check myself on and I don't do great at it. I really don't. And I'm trying to work on it is the idea of seeing a beautiful woman and feeling like I need to comment. Oh, she's so beautiful. Like, for instance, uh, let's say an actress, you know, if I'm talking with friends about an actress and I'm like, oh, man, she is gorgeous. Well, she's a great actress. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, I, I'm i not asking us to deny that thing in us that is attracted to beauty. Like that's that's a natural, normal thing. But I do think we should be more careful about the emphasis we put on 
Anything even the physical. Po- even the positive aspects well, anything of the physical. physical. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just a... Because you kind of add into the problem. It, yeah. And I think it's all... I mean, a lot of it's likely very good intentioned. I don't think that anyone who's commented on Iris or even myself is intentionally trying to harm me. I think they are trying to culturally, you know, improve my life by well, saying something. Well, and there something. are safe relationships, where you can have those conversations mm-hmm. or say those things. But it takes a long time to find those safe oh, relationships. Oh, for sure. And I, you probably I, have very few of them. I, legitimately, and this is something that's really going to be weird for me to say, but I have had so many people comment on me and my appearance through my life so much that I didn't realize how important my image was to me until I started to look like somebody else because mm. I because I gained pounds and my shape completely changed and I had multiple chins for the first time and I had to do this thing where um and I talked to my friends about this and so I had to do this thing where I would not look at my face in the mirror I would just look at my body and when I just looked at my body in the mirror I made myself see a friend's face and I said what a beautiful body that is because mm-hmm. if my body was on somebody else I would never think that it's not beautiful right. but if it's mine I started to get really like just super critical and depressed and listening to all of the all it was crazy i mean like i felt like i was kind of going nuts a bit because i would just remember all of these statements about how beautiful i was before and i'm not talking about comments like oh Dina, you're a beautiful person i'm saying mm-hmm. oh you've got great hips or mm-hmm. oh you know people commenting on my breasts or whatever mm-hmm. it was or oh you know you just have the greatest shape and oh your hair and oh you've got perfect And probably skin. a lot of it is oh i wish i looked like you yes yes that's probably a lot of it a lot of it yeah so suddenly i don't look like quote unquote by the me. way that's not for me i would you know that's <laughs> not something i ever said <laughs> you, to you should never try to look like me that would be weird <laughs> but um all those comments are kind of coming back i'm like well then that's so i'm not like that anymore so by default i'm mm. no longer you know, what you want to look like, mm-hmm. but am I supposed to want to be attractive and beautiful? Or am I supposed to just be content with myself? And I know the answer I am. I'm, I'm, I'm really genuinely should find contentment and joy in who I am as a person. And so it was a very deep, dark, confusing, but beautiful journey because slowly, slowly I started to look at my face in the mirror and I truly believe I am a beautiful person despite the fact that I have a different body and my body has, you know, kind of gone back into a similar shape than it was before, but I no longer have those weird ties, Mm -hmm. but I was really um, struck and just really horrified by it because I didn't realize how deeply it affected me, how Mm -hmm. deeply I was comparing myself to a beauty standard that society has put on me and friends and loving family members have put on me uh, in love, but also it's just, it's a very confusing thing. We, we, I really should not be that concerned about how I look. I should really we be shouldn't. concerned at all. No. See, I think maybe a little bit. I don't know. Maybe not concerned. Maybe that's the wrong word. Like if you have mouth sores, no, I mean, here, I think here's the better way to ask the question. What I'm trying to get at. Um, there's an, there's an awareness that I don't think you can get rid of. And maybe this is a male perspective, but I think there's a, an, an awareness of just subconscious, whatever's built into you, that we we have things we're attracted to. And I don't know that the goal is to eliminate the ability to see a person and go, oh, that's attractive to me. Because I think that's kind of built into us for a reason, right? Like there's, well, attraction's different. Right. But, well, it is. But you wouldn't know it by our culture. 
You know what I mean? Like well, we have I- so tied. I'm just going to say sexuality. Mm-hmm. We have so tied sexuality to body shape yeah. and attractiveness yep. and those kind of things that it is almost impossible to unglue those things culturally. And that is, I think, the journey is to go, okay, what is just because somebody is attractive doesn't mean I, I want to have sex with them necessarily, or just because you know, um, somebody's body shape is a certain way. doesn't make them undesirable. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a real difficulty in even separating the ideas. I just wanted to let you know that you accidentally turned your Google on and it's been trying to like, it's been just read whatever just popped up on your screen. So this is what, this is what my Google says. <laughs> Is just because somebody is attractive doesn't mean I want to have sex with them necessarily, or just because you know somebody's body shape is a certain way doesn't make them undesirable. Hey, and then Google says, I can search that for you. <laughs> oh, I saw it pop on and I was like, oh no. It actually did a really good job of quoting you. I'm kind of surprised. Oh, Google transcription is the best. Man, that it's, was really smart. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. But to get back into it, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that what has happened is that companies to sell products or whatever the history is and mm-hmm. you know it's pretty obvious commercialism of of sexualizing anything sells mm-hmm. products and so yeah you're right it's all kind of become this weird you know breastfeeding means sex or whatever like it's just our body a woman's body specifically is is tied to so many strange things you mean when you say that i think what you mean is you can't show your breasts when you're breastfeeding because that's a sexual thing exactly right yeah yeah yeah. that that kind of that's an that's an example one example or it used to be ankles don't show your ankles ladies Mm -hmm. because then you know you're just woo woo trying to get the attention from the men so it's always been the women can't do something with their bodies because then it will trigger something in something else and then and then it turned into this like now bikinis sell cigarettes and it's right. just it's just a weird thing can i be really weird for a second is uh, that okay maybe you can tell me if i need to cut this if, if i need to cut this out okay i think the european idea of the body just being a natural thing nude beaches those kind of things uh-huh. can actually result in a healthier understanding of the human body not only do i think that you is that too weird? Like, I don't want to say I want us all walking around naked. I'm just saying. No, that's I, what you're saying. I want us all walking around naked. <laughs> I think you should keep it in. I yeah. don't think you should cut that. Um, because I, I do feel like we we need to mention that we are in American culture having a conversation as two right. Americans in the Midwest. Yeah. But if you go into other parts of the world, nudity is not embarrassing or shameful. Or automatically sexual. Yeah, it's right. it really isn't. And so I think... We need to remember that there are other ways to be and and be willing to look at the healthy parts of that. And I do think that other cultures like in Europe, for example, have a much healthier relationship with not getting hung up with body stuff. They if you're not concerned about your body and your appearance and all of the sexuality that has been tied in our culture and in the American Mm -hmm. culture to nudity or body shape or whatever, uh, for male and female, mm-hmm. um, you have an opportunity to get to know the person. And, yeah. and and that's, I think, what what's most upsetting about this is we all have our own personal journeys of letting go unrealistic expectations of our bodies or what they can do or what they look like and, and that we're not supposed to change them to become a sexual being or we're not supposed to change them to become more attractive. We're just supposed to be ourselves. But if we lived in a culture that didn't amplify shape and image and and that kind of stuff 
we would just be able to get to know each other on a different level. And that's really, I feel like the saddest part of all of this is that it takes a young woman so much longer to get to the point where they can let go of their body image stuff that there's so much time of confusion of trying to figure out their identity because of all of the noise Mm -hmm. that if they lived in Sweden, that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. It just wouldn't be an issue. I I remember uh, being part of a, it was like a, it was called CISV, Children's International something village. I can't even remember. That's better than like special victims unit. (laughs) It does kind of seem (laughs) similar, doesn't it? (laughs) But there were two guys and two girls from every country that were selected to go have this month together in another country and just learn about each other's culture. And I remember the first day we went to a pool in the Norwegian guys and gals, they just changed right at the pool. Yeah. They didn't even realize you had to go into a like a changing room. That was a super shock for my 12-year-old brain. Uh, but at the same time, I remember coming away from that going, oh, cultures are different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same, you know, every place. And the reason I bring it up in the conversation we were having is specifically because uh, you mentioned the don't show your ankles, you know, don't have your neckline plunge. We have put so much pressure on women to be responsible for men's view of the woman's body. Bridget. That I think the idea of understanding the non-sexuality of just the corpus, <laughs> just the human body, is a long way towards helping men and women be more understanding of the responsibility is always on you to keep your thoughts in check, keep your desires in check, keep your mind in check. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have made it such a weird, special, secret thing is part of the reason that I personally believe so many men uh, deal with sexual issues. Uh, Not even sexual, not not just sexual issues, but like deeply hidden dark stuff that they can't talk to anybody right. about and it ends yeah. up going into really sick twisted places and then they don't know how to actually interact with the female properly right because they can't talk about it and i'm not saying that you know it's okay i'm saying it's not okay and i think you're right it's i th- here's what i'm saying if if a a woman walks in front of a man completely nude and that man chooses to do something to that woman inappropriate that is always 100% on the man. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, like oh. we have been taught oh, yes. we have been taught especially I feel like in the church have been taught have been teaching our girls modest is hottest all that kind of stuff which is fine if from a me outward perspective like I think girls do need to be aware of how men think that they are different in their, you know, how testosterone affects the sex drive, all that kind of stuff. But that's not on them. But that's not on them. It's more like, hey, here's how a car works. It's important for you to understand that this is, when you press this, then this could happen. And if you wear a miniskirt, it is not your fault if a a man does something inappropriate. And and you have to be prepared for people to comment on it. But you're going to get comments whether you wear a miniskirt or you don't. And that's true as well. Someone's going to comment on how you look. It's going to be your mother. Your family member, your siblings, it's going to be people at school. Yeah. Uh, Then it's going to be where you work. And then it's going to be strangers on the internet. It's going to be everybody is going to have an opinion on how you look. I can't imagine. So if you can start off with not, if there's a way, God, please help us as a culture. If there's a way to start your life where you know that those people's opinions shouldn't change who you are. They might influence you because it's impossible not to be influenced by other people's opinions. I, mm-hmm. I there's just not, I don't think personally that there's right. a way, 
but I would love to develop a culture and a way of being and be part of the change. And maybe it's not as extreme as being a nudist colony, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm Some, not saying nude beaches are the solution, but I'm saying that the understanding of the nude body is the solution. That I it's not tied to sexuality, and it and it also might not be something as extreme as you know a naked woman walking in front of men. But we're just kind of giving these really extreme examples to just sort of showcase that there is a misunderstanding of a sense of obligation. And mm-hmm. one of the things that keeps popping into my head, so I'm just going to kind of switch yeah. gears just a little yeah, bit. Do it. Is you, know, you mentioned the church. One of the things I remember being told is that you don't want to be a stumbling block for other people. Right. And that's the that's that it, it that puts an unnecessary obligation onto anyone, whether it's a young male or a young female, that you're obligated for how somebody else is, thinks of you. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that no matter what you do, it's going to offend somebody. And that's why I always say just me having breasts offend somebody. Mm -hmm. I can't be worried about what I say or what I do offending people. I just have to know that my heart's in check. And the only person that can gauge the, my heart is God. And he doesn't show up in conversation clearly enough to other people to come to my defense in the way that would be really great. It's more of an eternal defense system. Mm -hmm. So I have to kind of just trust that over time, misconceptions and confusions will be cleared out and that, you know, like uh, uh, any kind of angst or whatever, but I'm not responsible for somebody else's opinion on how I look or how I speak or how I think. And you're not responsible for how I handle my own inner desire. If I decide to change something about myself, I hope it's because I have come to some kind of a spiritual decision or you know something's been put deep in my heart to shift and change and so I do that I do that with mentors and counsel Mm -hmm. and people that I know really genuinely care for me and I've built that tribe of people that you know I can test myself with so to speak so I'm willing to change that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying it's I'm not obligated to worry about being a quote-unquote stumbling block and I feel like when we say you know modesty is modest is hottest what we're saying is two things. It's you're responsible for how somebody else reacts, which isn't true. And and number two, I think that part of it is an attempt to protect. Mm-hmm. And that is something that uh, it. I'm going to go through the same thing. Uh, you've got a baby girl. I'm going to go through the same thing. And yes, if it, there could be a, if you wear short shorts, X, Y, Z can happen, mm-hmm. but there has to be a healthy way of talking about it. It can't be never wear short shorts. It has to be something different. I'm just saying we should be talking more to our young men than our young women about this, you know, because I do, too. You know, I I mean, and I can only go from the male perspective. And I'm always somebody who who, again, espouses the me out perspective. In other words, you can only control yourself. So quit worrying about making other people. So as as a male and understanding, especially growing up through adolescence and how strong that sexual desire is and the Mm -hmm. testosterone and all that kind of stuff. Like I I I felt like I was being told it, it was the girl's responsibility mm. not to turn me on as opposed oh. to my responsibility to start Good on you for saying that. Well, no, is, is opposed to my responsibility for learning how to process that natural human desire. Right. And to tell it no, or, you know, think through it in a way that I could, you know, comprehend it. And again, we're talking adolescence and it's, you know, obviously a lot crazier than right. Um, and then, but, but you have these systems that try to come in place like schools that say women can't show clavicles, mm-hmm. but guys can, or women can't, you know, you you have to wear short pants or whatever, right. a certain length, but you know, so you, they, we as a society are trying to figure out how to keep certain areas safe so that there's not as much tension. And I, I really do understand totally. that. I, I really do. I'm totally. not saying that, 
again, we need to let. Well, and I like uniforms for yeah, a lot of sure. different reasons. I don't, I don't beyond modesty, uniforms. I like yeah. uniforms just because it, it gives less of an opportunity for during that crazy yeah. time for us to pick on each other about. Right. You know, not being rich enough or, mm-hmm. you know, being too yeah. poor to afford this or yep. that. And so yep. I think I, uniforms are a great idea in school. But. I actually agree with you. And I wouldn't have whenever I was young enough to wear uniforms. So I've been raging against that because I wanted to <laughs> I show my individuality. But I did. I showed my I showed my individuality at church and I was told that my shorts were too short and my crop top was too high. And I couldn't talk about the, the great things that God was doing in my life because they didn't want to give me a microphone because I was a bad example of a Christian. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened in church. Yeah. So who stopped going to church? This girl who went out into the world and met some really, really horribly creepy people and also some amazing people. This girl. So I have a really unique perspective on being more accepted by non-Christians and more willing to like people don't Christians care about all this kind of stuff. Other people, they don't really care. Like it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like what we're really talking about is kind of even that smaller bubble of Christianity where it's just like, you know, this is such a big conversation. But if we could not worry as Christian culture, if we could not worry about talking about sex, sexuality, the confusing thoughts that we have, the really creepy thoughts that we have, not just from guys, but girls too, um, humans in general, if we could just talk about the weird soup of our brains and try to help the adolescents go through that process and come out on the other side with more of a strong sense of who they are and their purpose in life, they will not care about whether or not girl A, B, or C is wearing makeup or hair done or Ooh, whatever. Makeup. We didn't even get into the makeup thing. That's so, where I get to give more of my unpopular opinions. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying if we could figure out a way to talk about it rather than not, and then when we do talk about it, instead of acting like it's the worst thing in the world to, I don't know. I just, there's gotta be a better way. And I'm really glad. I, I definitely am not the normal Christian person who uh, could be because I didn't spend a lot of my impressionable time as a Christian. And I found to be the most influential and beautiful people that were not, they're not Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, and we know because we've heard from you that not everybody that listens to this podcast is a Christian no, or no, a person of faith in any they're way. They're my so, peeps so, and yeah. I love them and they love me. And so there's just, like I, I love my diverse uh, experience in my twenties of like coming into my own person. I love, I love that process. Like I said, I met some very, very dangerous people, and I, but that's true in the church too. Dangers are out there. We just have to figure out how to talk about them. And if someone says danger, danger, she's th- showing her thigh. That's not necessarily your danger. You have to be able to kind of go into yourself and go, that's actually not a trigger for me. That's not a big deal for me. And I think the reason we've kind of landed in this conversation is because it all ties together with the idea of how closely we have connected the idea of our appearance and attractiveness to sexuality. And so I think that's that's worth talking about Um, because we should be finishing up here pretty shortly before we do. uh, I will just say my own journey has been very interesting. I don't know that I would have ever really have described myself as dealing with any kind of um, body image issue. I don't, I don't really think that's ever been an issue with me. Um, I have been extremely overweight and through many parts of my life, Um, you know, I'm six foot six. So this number is a little bigger than you're probably used to in thinking about weight, but um, you know, I've been close to 400 pounds uh, in my existence. Um, And there came a point where I was just like, I'm just tired. 
like, I want to feel better. You know what I mean? And it was, my kids were a lot younger and, um, and so I was just like, okay, how do we do this? And it was just, you know, correcting my eating, moving more, doing some exercise, eventually started running, ran a half marathon, uh, lost 130 pounds. I think something somewhere close to that. I didn't. And what's that? You lost. <laughs> I lost a Diné. <laughs> That's right. And what's interesting is through that whole process, I think if I'm being completely honest, I would look in the mirror and go, I like this better. I think I look better. Like I look healthier, but I meant healthier. I didn't necessarily tie it directly to, I'm more oh, attractive I'm hot male. now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there were those moments too, but I, but that's Good just, for you. well, no, that's just being human and honest. Sure. Like, you know, um, but, but that wasn't the driving factor. Uh, and then, you know, I moved and there's new restaurants and Andy's frozen custard and <laughs> all this amazing stuff. And, Darn you, Andy's. and, and I kept it, you know, fairly maintained for a long time, kept it under 300 for a long time. Um, and then once it was over 300, it was just like, ah, who cares anymore? And let it go back up to, you know, 375. And so now I'm on another journey, like oh, I'm tired again. <laughs> like I want to feel better again. So, you know, I'm down 30 pounds in the last few weeks and, you know, I'm sure I'll lose probably about 70 more. Uh, but it's, but again, it's not, it's not a body image thing for me. It's a health thing. It, it really, I feel like I'm being honest with that. Well, well, we know you are because you died and all of the tests said that you were like, a Greek god. <laughs> I think at, is what at I said. Three hundred and sixty pounds. I think that's the quote that I that I have from last year. I mean, that's not no, exactly. No, they just what said my heart said. and lungs were very healthy, and very, I think that's from all the running. Well, and all of your, um, like all of your veins, mm-hmm. all your circulatory system, and yeah, everything, it was great. like yeah. super, super good. Yeah. So it's all the water drinking and the running and yeah. that kind of stuff. So you yeah. are taking care of yourself, but it it does. It, I'm glad you mentioned your because I would say that you have a athletic build. And it reminds me of those. Um, That's weird to hear because I don't think that. But go ahead. Well, and I, I mean like the um, the bot, like the big bodybuilder kind of. Athletic. Oh, I see. OK. I guess okay. athletic is probably more like runner when you think of that. Yeah. When I think of it, it yeah. is. But yeah, um, I've, I've, I mean, I'm bodybuilder. Like, I'm built like a basketball player in a lot of ways just because I'm tall and I played for a you're, while. You're built linebacker. Yeah. Yes. I'm very it, thick. If we if we didn't hate football, we would use yeah. that reference freely. But we hate <laughs> football. <laughs> Another thing I love about us that we both agree that football is just the worst, <laughs> but it reminds me of what well, uh, is it? What's the magazine that releases that bot the the athletes all the and they it just shows all the athletes and you see like the little gymnasts next to like the shot put ladies. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's it's just fascinating going back that we're all built differently and we have different journeys. Are you talking about ESPN the body issue? Yeah. So fa- that goes back to the human body thing about are they nude. In that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I, I just remembered that they are nude. <laughs> so well, that's a good sign. Be careful if you decide to go look that up. Um, it's appropriate. It's it's appropriate nudity. It's not like but but it just shows the different kinds of bodies. And or or when you go and you just Google like gymnast standing next to another Olympic mm-hmm. athlete. And then just yeah. like this little tiny, like four foot eleven person next to this, like six foot tall basket play, basketball yeah. player. Um, both women or, or the thing that I saw, um, that was super fascinating was women that were all pregnant in the same trimester and how different their bodies looked Mm. just absolutely blows your mind. We are very, we are all different people and you can find people who look just like you and have similar body types to you and can celebrate your size. So for you, Aaron, you know, you're like talking about 
you know, how you are as a person. And I'm just thinking there's other people out there that are very similar to you and they just interact with their bodies differently. You're very, well, and I see somebody similar to me in body shape. I don't think anything like I don't, you know, I certainly don't, you know, (laughs) (laughs) no, I just, I mean, when I see people who are overweight, like I, I am, it doesn't bother me. I don't judge them for it. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's... I, I'm 38 now and I'm just now to the point at l- seriously having Iris and having my body go through that morph and really having that beautiful reconciliation with my body. I I can say I'm more confident in who I am now than I was when I was 120 pounds and like built like a little model, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm, I'm, I would far rather be here than I, now in this body in this time um, because I feel very confident. And and I I I want to say too as we kind of wrap up and I know I said it already just don't comment try it well you said you were skipping to the end so try now it. we're back there try it just try it don't comment if you want to compliment on somebody if you if you want to breathe life into them somehow try to do it in a way where you're not commenting on any of their appearance even if they look beautiful their makeup's done their nails are done. Just try not to comment on it. Find something else to say. Yeah. It's a very interesting thing. Unless it's one of those one or two relationships where that is, there's a complete place of trust. I'm saying don't do it at all for a period of time just to test it I'm out. I'm just saying <laughs> if I stop doing that with my wife for a few months, you know what I mean? If you like, didn't comment on her appearance, if you commented on her I think personality. She really likes it. No, no, no. Of course. But do both. Like I would do both, I think. I just can't imagine not telling her how beautiful she is for three months. You know what I mean? Like saying you're beautiful is one thing. Uh-huh. Saying like y- your hair looks really good today is another. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? No, you're helping me. Yeah. Like, so, a, like a comment about someone's general appear, like a general. Well, and beautiful can mean more than it, ca- it could be countenance. Your physical it could appearance. Be, yeah, right. Yeah. Your aura is just so <laughs> golden today. You're like so glowing. Your moon must be in retro with the Saturn rings. Wait, is that a cycle thing? I'm not aware of. I don't know. Are we I talking know. about women's I was, cycles I was now? Trying to do Your moon is in retro. I don't. I don't. I don't know what I was trying to do there. I don't know. I just say challenge. Try it. Let let us know how it goes for you. Hey, if someone's commented on your body and you're like, no, I love it. Like, totally cool. Let us know your story. Give us your perspective. Feedback at shoe the dough uh, com is our email. Um. This is just our personal kind of like just exploding into all of the areas of body image today. It's a big topic. I think it's an important one and I'm glad we talked about it. I am too, especially as I'm thinking about raising a daughter Yeah, and not commenting on her appearance. <laughs> it's going to be interesting because she is a beautiful person, but I'm very specifically speaking into her, her person right. and her inner strength rather than her outer beauty. Yeah. I mean, I do tell her she has really adorable toes. <laughs> But that, again, is something I, I want to pull back on a little bit. <laughs> She's going to be like, Mom, you pulled so far back. I never thought that I was ever good enough for you. <laughs> I'm screwing but Mom, up why'd you stop way. talking about my toes? <laughs> Are my toes ugly now? <laughs> the cutest toes you've ever seen. But I only think that because I hate my own toes. So, see? <laughs> see? That's see? where it comes from. And you know why, why I hate my toes? Because my mom hates her toes. Oh, it's so funny. My and dad, her toes look just like my toes. My dad always used to say, man, I wish I had your hair. See? Like, just it's just a natural thing, guys, right? Guys. I mean, it never. I, I'm going to be honest, it never hurt me at all to hear that. Like, I didn't I didn't ever take it in any way. But 
But it could, depending it could. on the person. Yeah. So be careful. It's very interesting. Let's change culture. Let's change culture. <laughs> Not saying we should all go to Sweden, but maybe <laughs> we should. It's actually really funny. I have a friend who's traveling to uh, visit someone and they're going to go to a European spa. And they had a whole conversation about like, just so you just know. Just so you understand, these people will be nude. And so she is having to go through the emotional like, oh my gosh. I'm going to be nude in front of people and how like freeing, but also scary that is. Can I get weird again? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut it out. You can always cut yeah, it out or true. we can just finish here. It's true. Um, the older I get, the less I care. Me too. My, my wife had the shades <laughs> open today when <laughs> she like, she opened them while I was changing. And so I was like, well, that was an interesting place to <laughs> open the shades. And she turned around. I'm completely naked. <laughs> And, and it's still dark out and light in our room, so it's like oh, no. <laughs> so it's like clear shot in, and and like it is so funny because t- twenty years ago I'd be like ah oh, close the shades, and now I'm just like I don't care, like it's gonna scar them more than it's gonna scar me, but it's gonna scar anybody, you know? Who cares? Uh, Let's be grown ups. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I I love this conversation. Is what I mean. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for shooting the dough with us today on this episode of No Longer Safe. We would love, again, to hear your feedback. Our email is feedback at shoethedough.com. Uh, we'd also like to thank Chris Tilly for composing the Shoe the Dough theme. Producer <laughs> producer Phil for helping us put the show together. And you for being a supporter at uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash studio DNA. Sorry about that. <laughs> you can also subscribe, rate, all that kind of fun stuff. That's helpful, too. Um, that helps us promote the show and let uh, others know about us. So thank you so much. And uh, make sure you tell your friends if you're enjoying the show. We'd love for them to come along. Bye till next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.